This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in Christ Jesus, in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. <clears throat> I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive. So I'm taught the Word of God. My life has changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. 2023 is a year of miracles at Faith Christian Center. I believe that if we will take action and enter into worship with all of our might, with all of our strength, if we'll believe God's word, if we'll confess God's word, we will see God move among us in a mighty way. Now, what we're doing in 2023 is walking through the miracles of the New Testament, looking for patterns and principles. And I've been saying that if God's people could learn to look for and then apply the principles and patterns they see in the miracles of the New Testament, they could live out their lives and hardly have an unmet need. After completing last Sunday's message, Jesus restores sight to Bartimaeus and Jericho. It occurred to me that maybe we ought to take a pause in this series and deal with the posture of faith. In Miracle 18, Jesus heals an invalid at Bethesda. Jesus asked the invalid, Wilt thou be made whole? Do you will it? We dealt with this in the uh, spring power lunch. Wilt, that was the fall power lunch. Wilt thou be made whole? See, say it out loud. God's word, God's word. is God's will. God's say this, I know God's will by God's word. So we know what the will of God is by the word of God. God wills it, but do you will it? And that seems to be a kind of a nonsensical question, but do we really will it? We're talking about the posture of faith. Jesus willed, but did the invalid will it? Jesus willed it, but did the invalid will it? And last Sunday in miracle number 34, Jesus restores sight to Bartimaeus and Jericho. Jesus asked Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Again, seems like a nonsensical question. A blind man calls out, says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. It's kind of self-apparent what he, what he needs. But Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? So, it is obviously apparent that God wants us to come to him and tell him what we, want, uh, what we want him to do for us. Now, anyone who has been taught in faith maybe has a problem with this. <laughs> I can go years and not ask the Lord for a thing because I have studied faith all these years and my solution is just to power through it and confess my way through it. But even in getting ready for this message this week, I'm convicted 
because I see from the word of God the process of faith. And I see the posture of faith that we're to have. Faith is ready and willing to receive. You know, I went to my son's, uh, my grandson's uh, baseball game yesterday. You know, they just don't stand there, you know, uh, staring at the airplanes or whatever. I mean, they're not supposed to. You know, the first baseman's got a posture. The second baseman's got a posture. There's no catcher yet. But in other words, they're ready for what's about to happen. And the posture of faith is I have to be ready and willing to receive. Say it out loud. I have to be ready and willing to receive. Say it again. I have to be ready and willing to receive. Now, in, in preparing for this week, somehow John Osteen, Pastor John Osteen, is floating around in my recollection. And he was very strong on this, that God wants us to ask him. And I think that part of the reason may be that he wants us to direct our attention and our focus to him. There's all these sources out here, you know, welfare, medical alternatives, all this stuff going on. But the Lord wants us to look to him. And the Lord wants us to go to him. I mean, how would I feel if Austin got in a financial jam and I found out, man, he'd been to flea markets selling stuff and he'd been to pawnbrokers hawking stuff and he'd been to, you know, uh, uh, check cashing places to borrow money or whatever and he never came to daddy. God wants us to come to him. And God wants us to come to him first, not last. I said God wants us to come to him first, not last. Can you see that? And, and I think we're reluctant on this for a variety of reasons. But Jesus said to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? So God wants us to come to him and tell him what we want him to do for us. 1 John 5, 14, 15, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, and how do we know his will? By his word, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask. I didn't write this. John says, whatever we ask. I didn't write this. John says, whatever we ask. We know that we have what we have asked of him. We know that we have what we have asked of him. John 14, 13, 14, Jesus said, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that, you, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Somebody might say, well, how can he promise that? How, do, how does he know we're not going to ask amiss? Well, the next chapter, John 15, 7, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done for you. Abide means to live in, settle down in, take up residence in. So if I live in, settle down in, and take up residence in his word, I'm not going to ask amiss. Can you see that? 
John 15, 7 and 8 in the NIV, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Do you remember when Jesus said that we would have to have faith like children? You know, Sue and I often say to each other, if you really want to get healed, you know, uh, arrange to visit Children's Church. Have those children lay hands on you. I mean, they can believe God for anything. Amen. See, but we're to be like that. We're to be like that. Don't be putting blocks, stumbling blocks in front of yourself and say, well, God can't do that or, you know, it's been too long or I've prayed too much about this or, you know, too much time has gone by. No, 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 no. We're to have faith like a child. Hallelujah. John 16, 23, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. I think this irritates people. You know, I, I've not been asking much lately, but, you know, in earlier years, I asked, and I received, and my joy was made complete. I think it irritates people. Amen. You know, Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, used to say, we, we don't ask God for enough. We have not believed God for enough. We, we, don't, we don't exercise our rights as a son or a daughter enough. See, Father God wants us to ask of him. Father God wants to answer us that our joy might be complete. And we also noted that in Miracle 34, Jesus restores sight to Bartimaeus in Jericho, that Bartimaeus shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And then when called by Jesus, threw his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. So I want to talk to you this morning about the posture of faith, the posture of faith, getting ready to receive. The posture of faith, number one, the posture of faith is to know what you want from the Lord and to expect what you want from the Lord to come to pass. And this is a posture. This is a posture. You know, you've heard me tell the story in years gone by about damage I did to uh, my right shoulder by lifting a suitcase in a stupid manner and, uh, you know, through confession. I got it about 85% healed, then I'd re-damage it. And then I'd get it about 85% healed and I'd re-damage it. This went on quite a while. But see, I was in the posture that I was expecting to receive. And uh, my normal operating procedure is I just power through it with confession. And one day about... I don't know, a couple of years back, I woke up in, in Miami, and I don't know why, there was no alarm clock, but I woke up and I flung that arm over to the side, and I thought, huh. In other words, it didn't come in a minute, it didn't come in a week. It took me some time because I kept re-damaging it, but there came a point, praise God, where it was not 85 or 90 or 95% healed, but totally, absolutely healed by the power of God. But see, the point is, never give up. Luke 18, 1, Jesus said, men should always pray and never give up. Now, he's not talking about, you know, uh, hounding God. He's talking about a posture of faith. Say it out loud. I live my life ready and willing to receive. Say it again. I live my life ready and willing to receive. Number two. 
The posture of faith is to will God's will for your life, God's will for your life, whether physical or financial. The posture of faith is to will God's will for your life, God's word for your life, whether physical or financial. In other words, God wills it, and I will it too. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. That covers the gamut. So that's the will of God for my life, so that's my will for my life, that I prosper, that I be in health in my physical body even as my soul prospers. We know God's will by his word. God wills it. That is his word. But do we will it? Number three, the posture of faith is asking of God what you want him to do for you. Number three, the posture of faith is asking of God what you want him to do for you. And I think part of the reason for this is when we go to God and we're specific and we ask the Lord what we... We tell the Lord what we, would, what we want him to do for us. When that answer comes, it is a specific answer to a specific request, and he gets the glory. Amen. You know, when we just mumble around, you know, God bless me, and God bless, you know, my wife, and God, that's so generic and so general. How is God going to derive any glory out of answering those kind of prayers? But when we go to God specifically, and tell the Lord specifically what we want him to do for us, we take up the posture of faith. Number four, the posture of faith is one of refusing to be denied. And it's not that, that I'm treating God like the unjust judge. That's not the point of the parable. The point, of the, the point is that we, we know we have a devil out here, and we know that the earth is polluted. We got all this stuff going on, but it doesn't matter because I refuse to be denied. My father is greater than anything going on in the environment. My father is greater than anything going on in Washington. My father is greater than anything going on in the economy. My father is greater than anything going on in my DNA because of genetics. My God is greater. My God is greater. My God is greater. Hallelujah. And so I take a posture of faith because, and I'm not going to be denied. Amen. And number five, the posture of faith is to act like God is not a liar and instead act like the word of God is true in our lives. And this is huge. And I know it's kind of an ugly truth, but we got to act like God is not a liar. We got to act like the word of God is true. Hallelujah. And take him at his word. If a banker says you're pre-approved, you take that banker at his word and you go to looking at houses. Well, it wasn't but a couple of years ago I had a banker tell me we were good to go, but that banker's boss's boss nixed the deal because they didn't like preachers. So you can't go by what some sinner says, but we do it all the time. They say you're pre-approved, and what do you do? You start taking action. The, 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 the doctor says your wife is expecting, what do you do? You go home, you start painting the room, you buy a baby bed, you start taking action. We need to learn to take action on what God has said, just not just like more than we take action on what man has said. Amen. Amen. Because man has proven over and over and over and then a thousand more overs that he's a liar. But God is true. Hallelujah. God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind for he is not a man that he should change his mind. David said, forever, O Lord, thy words are established in heaven. 
David said, all of your words are true. God said in Psalm 89, 39, I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will never pass away. Hallelujah. So once it comes out of the mouth of God, it is established forever. And I can count on it. That's why, that's why I don't give up. Amen. The devil may be trying to hinder like he tried to hinder Daniel getting that answer to prayer and, you know, uh, negative people and uh, negative uh, circumstances, all this noise going on around me. But we need to take the attitude that I will not be denied. And we need to take the attitude that what God has said is true. Now, also, it is absurd to think that only the good were healed by Jesus. This is one of the big things Satan whips us with. He healed all who came to him in faith. Say it out loud. Jesus healed all who came to him in faith. See, that's what I'm talking about, being ready and willing to receive. That's the posture of faith. I got to be ready and willing to receive. And Jesus healed all who came to him in faith. We see this in Matthew 4, 24, 8, 16. 12, 15, 14, 14, 15, 30, and 19, 2. We see this in Mark 1, 33, and 34, 6, 13. We see this in Luke 4, 40, and 6, 19, and 9, 11. Let's go through them. Mark 4, 24, news about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and paralyzed, and he healed them, and he healed them, and he healed them. He didn't call them out, the good, the bad, the ugly. It says he healed them. Matthew 8, 16, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. Shout it out loud five times. He healed all the sick. Matthew 12, 15, aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. Many followed him, and he healed all their sick. Shout it out loud five times. He healed all their sick. He healed all their sick. Matthew 14, 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. He didn't say, okay, let's get the nasty people in one line and let's get the righteous people in another line. No, 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 you don't see that anywhere. But somehow, and I think it's Satan, he gets us to thinking that I'm not good enough. I gotta measure up. How are you gonna measure up to God? I said, how are you gonna measure up to God? Oh, no, no, no. And, and don't be going to God for justice. No, 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 no. That's the last thing we want. We, we need mercy, Lord. Like Bartimaeus said, have mercy on me, Lord. Have mercy on me. Amen. I'm not, I'm not going to get good enough. I'm not going to measure up. <laughs> Matthew 15, 30, great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. Matthew 19, two large crowds followed him and he healed them there. Mark 1, 33 and 34, the whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many 
who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Mark 6, 13, they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Luke 4, 40, when the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Luke 6, 19, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Shout it out loud five times, healing them all. Luke 9, 11, but the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. So God heals us and Jesus healed in his day, not because we deserve it, but because it is in his nature to heal. I think that this is one area where people, even in a faith environment like this, have failed to renew their minds, and that is on the nature of God. It is the nature of God to heal. It is the nature of God to bless. It is the nature of God to prosper. It is the nature of God to bless the work of our hands. We have failed to renew our mind on who God is. Once you get your own natural father out of your mind, and you renew your mind to your heavenly father and who he is, life gets a whole lot easier. Hallelujah. He healed not because they deserved it. He healed because it is his nature to heal. Same thing with blessing. He blesses us not because we deserve it. He blesses us because it is his nature to bless. And I don't know how many times I sat in T.L. Osborne's living room up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and heard him say, people need to learn to say yes to God because God wants to heal. Say yes to God. God wants to save. Say yes to God. God wants to bless. Say yes to God. Amen. Cooperate with his nature. Let God have his way. Hallelujah. John 5, 19, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. And there is a great heresy out here that there is some kind of distinction between Jesus and the father. That the father is the big old bad God of the Old Testament and Jesus is this nice new God of the New Testament. That is a heresy and it is a lie because Jesus said the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever his father does, the son also does. So even in the three and a half years of Jesus' ministry on planet earth, it was not Jesus doing what Jesus did. It was the father working through him. Hallelujah. All credit, glory, and honor to Father God. Hallelujah. It was the Father working through Jesus. And today in our day, it is the Father working through the Spirit of Christ. Hallelujah. But it is the will of the Father that we be healed. It is the will of the Father 
that we live out all of our days. It is the will of the Father that we live without infirmity. It is the will of the Father that we live without disease. It is the will of the Father that we be blessed in our coming and blessed in our going. It is the will of the Father that we prosper even while we slumber. Hallelujah. I declare to you today, we have a wonderful Father in heaven. He is glorious. Hallelujah. He is holy. He wants to bless us. He wants to heal us. He wants to prosper us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, say yes to the Father. Tell the neighbor on the other side, say yes to the Father. Now in Jesus' day, their coming to him was sufficient to secure his blessing. (laughs) I won't call it a heresy. I don't know that it's a heresy by definition, but it's a great lie. Sometimes it's the will of God to heal. Sometimes it's not. If that were so, it would be in the Bible somewhere. Now, one time did anybody come to Jesus and Jesus say, oh, I just checked with the Father and it's not his will to heal you. Now, one time. That is preacher talk, trying to cover their butt because of something went wrong in their life or somebody else's life. It is a despicable lie to cast shade on Father God because somebody did not receive. When you see me fail, you blame me. If if I go out bad, you blame me. Don't blame my father. My father has never failed, not one time. My father will never fail, not one time. And if there's a failure, it's on my part, not on his part. Hallelujah. 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 If I'm faithless, he is faithful. If I lie, he is a truth teller. If I falter, he is steady. If I fail, he he succeeds. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't be casting shade on God because of your problem. Amen. Amen. He healed them because it was his nature to heal. (laughs) He's a healing God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift both hands and say, thank you, Father God. My Father God is a healing God. Now, here it is. Whoever was ready and willing to receive healing received it from the Lord. That's it. That's the posture. Whoever was ready and willing to receive, ready and willing, received. On the other hand, unbelief hindered Jesus even in his day. In his hometown, Mark records in Mark 6, 5 and 6, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. One translation says people with minor ailments, and he was amazed at their lack of faith. But notice, their unbelief stopped Jesus. So don't be like that. Amen. Many take the posture in prayer that it is necessary to persuade God to heal them, that we have to hound him and talk him into it. But that's not what we see in the word. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. The world's condemned already. God is not condemning the world. Jesus is not condemning the world. The Holy Spirit is not condemning the world. The world's condemned already. Father God loved the world, loved people, and sent Jesus to redeem the world. People in the world. But people have this posture in faith that I gotta, I gotta hound God. I gotta, I gotta berate God, you know? Like you're beating the H-E-L-L out of somebody. You know, I gotta, I gotta talk him into it. That negative posture in prayer is not gonna get anywhere with the Lord. John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and that they might have that life more abundantly. Everywhere Jesus went, he healed the sick. Even when he got over in Syria, he healed the sick. Even when we was over in Samaria, he healed the sick. He healed the sick wherever he went. Over and over and over and over. We see him heal people that were not descendants of Abraham. So he didn't even discriminate on the base of creed. Matthew 4, 23, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. <laughs> Oral Roberts, you know, was so frustrated. He was pastoring a little tiny Pentecostal holiness church in Eden, Oklahoma. And he said to the congregation, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna study the Bible and I'm gonna find out why we don't have the power of God amongst us like they did in Jesus' day. He didn't even have to get four chapters into it. He got his answer. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And that verse set him on fire because he's, he thought to himself, we've been teaching and we've been preaching, but we haven't been healing. This is the verse that set Oral Roberts on fire and took him from Enid, Oklahoma, to being uh, an evangelist known around the world, healing every disease and sickness among the people. Not minor ailments, not, not some, healing every disease and sickness among the people. Not healing some diseases among the people, not healing some sicknesses among the people, healing every disease and sickness among the people. What did Jesus do? Acts 10, 38 tells us how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all. Shout out loud five times, and healing all. And healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And then people also take a wrong posture in prayer. You know, they make too much out of the devil. He's a defeated foe. And besides, Jesus went about healing all who were under the power of the devil. Hallelujah. Yeah, but the devil. So what? He's defeated. Amen. I mean, that's like talking about Hitler. He's long gone. Satan may be operating, but he's defeated. Colossians 2.15 says, Jesus made an open show and spectacle of Satan on Calvary's cross. One translation says, Jesus put to naught every work of Satan on Calvary's cross. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. So the only place the devil has in my life is what I gave him. 
The only place the devil has in my money is what I gave him. The only place the devil has in my family is what I gave him. And the only place the devil has in my body is what I gave him. So stop giving him a place, cry out to God in the name of Jesus, and you'll get set free. Hallelujah. Well, then they're out here preaching that Jesus changed. No, he hasn't. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, I want to remind you of some basic truths. We died with Christ when he died. As he died to sin, we died to sin. As he died to Satan's rule, so we died to Satan's rule. As he died to sickness and disease, so also we died to sickness and disease. As he put off from himself the forces of darkness and sin, the sickness and diseases of man, so we put them off in him. We left them there at Calvary's cross. We were raised together with Christ. When he was justified, we were justified in him. When he was healed of death, we were healed in him, raised with him. When he conquered sickness and disease, so also did we conquer sickness and disease in him. To all those who are in Christ, disease is a conquered foe. How many here this morning are in Christ? I said, how many here this morning are in Christ? Christ became one with us in death so that we might become one with him in life. If Satan has lost dominion over us, which he has, then he cannot put sickness and disease upon us any longer. We are new creations in Christ, and Satan has lost his dominion over us completely. All things are ours now. When he defeated Satan, it was our victory. Jesus' victory over Satan was the end of defeat and failure. It is time that we appreciated what God has done for us. When he defeated Satan, it was our victory. We are now righteous victors. We are now Satan's masters. We now reign in the realm of life through Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Satan cannot lord it over us any longer. Disease is under our feet. We are new creation sons. There is no faith problem. 1 Corinthians 3.21 says, all things are yours. We are his children, and all things are ours. We need not have faith for the things that are ours. We need not have faith for the things that belong to us, things that have already been paid for by Christ on that awful cross. You are learning to take up your rights and privileges under the new covenant. Now take the Word of God and make it yours. I said take the Word of God and make it yours. Let the Word of faith come out of your mouth and boldly declare who you are in Christ and what He has done for you. Stop submitting to what the devil is trying to do in your life. Stop submitting to what the devil is trying to do in your body and stop confessing it. Stand up in faith and shout all the more. I said stand up in faith and shout all the more. Demand your rights in Christ Jesus and command the devil to take his hands off your life and command the devil to take his hands off your body. Stand up in authority and speak the Word of God over your life. Stand up in authority and speak the Word of God over your body.
since Jesus was made sick with our sickness. Satan has no legal right to put disease upon us, and in the name of Jesus, we can free ourselves from Satan's power. So throw off the yoke of Satan and claim your rights in Christ. I said throw off the yoke of Satan and claim your rights in Christ. For the Son has made us free. For the Son has made us free. For the Son has made us free. Hallelujah, for the Son has made us free. I said the Son has made us free. Let us stand fast in the liberty wherein his redemption has set us free. Let us arise and take our place as victors and conquerors in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 